Today's reading is Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 20. It can be found on your screen. This is God's word. The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from, from your own people. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord, your God, at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their people, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presume, presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, you are God who speaks throughout history and today. Will you speak today in such a way that we will hear? And whatever you want to say through your word and your spirit to us today, May we hear and understand and obey. And in whatever ways that I, Pastor David, get in your way, um, move me to the side gently. Amen. The Bible claims to be the word of an all-powerful God who speaks truth and who listens. Moses, in this passage, I don't know if you can hear that, but the cat is trying to get in the room. So, Susie, you might have to do something about that. <clears throat> Moses has long spoken God's word to his people, and he also intercedes, pleading with God to show mercy to his loved people. And now he tells them that God says he will send one day a final prophet, a fellow Israelite they must listen to and obey. The Bible describes people then and now who long for that two-way communication, that speaking and listening with the ruler of the universe who knows me, the king of all who knows and loves me and my dog. Think about that. And, and all my friends and all my friends' dogs 
this is the kind of stuff I used to contemplate when I was a young child. I was a weird kid. I had a lot of fun, but I was weird. I was obsessed with prophecy in junior high. My friend Eric and I read and discussed Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth. And this was an interesting book of prophecy. Um, comparing the apocalyptic literature of Revelation to current events in the 1970s in the world. Uh, and Eric and I poured through it uh, with great fear and trembling. The bear, oh, that's the Soviet Union. The eagle, oh, duh. The dragon, it's red China. Who's the beast? Who's the Antichrist? Let's see. Um, Henry Kissinger's birthday, plus add that to the height of the Vatican in meters, and then the hypotenuse equals 660. <gasps> it's Kissinger, the Secretary of State. Yeah, can you believe that? It sounds ridiculous now, right? I mean, those people in the 70s. Hmm. Maybe that's still happening a little. For me, it was actually very personal and, and traumatic. I was thinking at the age of 12 and 13 and 14, what am I going to do when they come to and try to put a barcode tattoo on my body? Am I going to stand up for truth? under torture? Probably not. <laughs> I will probably give in. I won't be strong enough. It wasn't until several years later when Hal Lindsey came out with another book of prophecy, kind of fixing, updating all the prophecies he'd gotten wrong in the first one, which was all of them that I started to become a little more skeptical. Yes, the Reverend Dr. Yvette Flunder has said, the difference between a heretic and a prophet is time. I grew up listening to prophets on TV all the time. I say listening because the TV was blaring. I wasn't watching it, but it was filling the house and many televangelists got into my head. I was surprised recently to see that two prominent ones are still alive and still on TV and still hawking. Hmm. Jim Baker and Pat Robertson. Prophesying about the presidential election wrongly in an age when fake news means more than just internet troll farms uh, making up stories for money or to hurt other nations. But now, fake news is some take you don't agree with or news you just don't like. 
that used to be called bad news. I got some bad news. This is what happened. That's not bad news. It's not? No, it's fake news. But it happened. I don't like it. It's fake news. Okay. Recently, a politician evoked the phrase alternative facts. And a lawyer derisively spat on national television. Truth isn't truth. While defending a client who is charged with lying. In contrast, the Bible says there is truth. <clears throat> Objective, absolute truth that you can trust, that you can lean on. I think of a trust fall, uh, if you know what that is, uh, team building at work. Uh, you can't do a trust fall alone. Tim Keller points out that you can't lean on yourself. Think about that image. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It is interesting that uh, an American uh, value truism is literally impossible. If anybody has bootstraps on their boots, go, go for it. Try to pull yourself off the ground by your bootstraps. The Bible tells us that this absolute truth, this trustworthy word, comes in a final prophet, like Moses, a fellow Israelite, an heir of the covenant, blessed in order to be a blessing to others to all other peoples. Before we get to that prophet, I'll just tell you, it's Jesus. I couldn't wait. It's Jesus. Spoiler alert. But we are going to look at some characteristics of true and false prophets. First, true prophets in the Bible before Jesus are real dimensional, flawed individuals. But they have some good traits they share like humility. Uh, if you look at the prophets, none of them is seeking to be a prophet. They all have excuses and run. Moses tries every excuse in the book. Jeremiah says, I'm, I'm only a boy. Elijah took off running. God caught up to him. God found him. Samuel was a boy, clueless, but he grew. And the Bible says later, God let none of his words fall to the ground. Jonah disobeyed God. We heard about these in the last few weeks, Samuel and Jonah. Jonah disobeyed, then he obeyed. Then he got ticked off at God's grace he showed to others. Then he accepted God's grace 
in humility, finally. Prophets in the Bible don't scheme and work their way up to profit. It's not part of their uh, self-help plan, their career trajectory to figure out how to climb the ladder of success to finally be a prophet. Uh, they don't seek money, prominence, or power. Elisha refuses payment at one point, not saying anything about uh, tithes and offerings and uh, Mark's salary or anything. But anyway, Elisha, Moses shared power. He literally had people holding him up at times. True prophets put aside pride and dignity even. Ezekiel was lying down on his left side for uh, like a year as a sign to the people. Not very comfortable. Uh, Isaiah walked around naked for three, three years. The sunburn. Not very dignified. True prophets spoke God's word, not their own. And it usually was not what people wanted to hear. Jeremiah was thrown into a pit. And there were hundreds of other prophets who said the opposite. I can just see them. You know, uh, let's see. What shall I tell the king? Uh, what did pit guy say? What did Jeremiah say? Uh-huh. I think I'll say the opposite. See how that goes to the king. There were hundreds of false prophets, and Jeremiah was God's speaking God's word and thrown into a pit. I can just see the other ones getting promoted. Oh, press secretary. All right. Thank you, king. Prophets are bringing an urgent word from God to help us avoid calamity. Kind of a wake-up call. Uh, who likes a wake-up call, really? Uh, I'm sleeping. Hit snooze. You know, nobody wants a wake-up call. It's kind of a look out, not, not that way, not your way. Turn around, the road's out. Imagine, if you will, uh, a mountain trail with switchbacks and a cliff, multiple cliffs, multiple turns and it's getting dark. There was a practice back in the day before flashlights and cell phones that have flashlights where they would carry around a pouch of pebbles. And when they were on a dangerous mountain trail, they would take out the small pebbles and throw them, scatter them out in front of them and listen 
and if they didn't hear anything, if the pebbles were falling through space, they knew, oh, don't go that way. This was actually a, um, a way they talked about God's word. God's word being those pebbles that can help you avoid disaster, avoid walking off the cliff of your own desires. Imagine that word being, like Mark said in his prayer, a light, a light to our path, a light, a lamp unto our feet, something that we need. Our understanding is dim. We need that light. God's word is trustworthy and unchanging. And although his spirit moves in new and unexpected ways, uh, if, a, if someone's uh, claiming to be a prophet and what this prophet says contradicts what we already know about God through his scripture, then be wary. Check it out. You know, a true prophet doesn't mind if you're skeptical. Um, doesn't get defensive if you if you are kind of saying, are you, are you sure that's are you sure that's from God? Um, not argumentative. A, a true prophet um, will relax about that and know that it's up to God. Speaking God's word, not your own. Uh, you're not going to be uh, in a rush to convince people or manipulate or uh, say, act now, you know, two for one, going fast. God's going to call me home if I don't raise a million dollars for another jet. Um, so take your time, have trusted mentors and fellow travelers. People are usually drawn into false teaching and cult-like things alone. And what kind of a scenario would a lot of people be alone on their computers? Um, online stuff kind of lends itself to folks alone searching things up. True and false prophets are known by their fruit. Do they point people to God or to themselves? Here's an easy test. Does someone proclaiming to be a prophet have a private jet? Or no jet? Or two jets? That could, that could just be an indicator. Just saying. Um, out for personal gain. God's word, hearing it, studying it, Proclaiming it requires a lot of humility. 
pointing to this one final prophet that Moses announces that God is going to send, Jesus. Moses was proclaiming God's word and pleading with God for mercy. And now he announces this final prophet who will embody mercy, who comes as grace, where God speaks finally and fully through Jesus, the Christ, the way, the truth, and the light. There's a, a great story in Acts 3 where Peter quotes Moses, and he and John heal a, a, a lame guy, and then Peter, in his inimitable way, looks around, and all these people are are uh, staring open-mouthed, like, oh, what happened? And Peter says, why are you staring? We didn't do this because of us. It's not us. It's God sent Jesus, the author of life, and you had him killed. But God raised him back to life. And and, and he kind of goes through it all. He says, all the prophets said that the Messiah would suffer. And it, it was Jesus. That's the one. So now you can repent, turn around. You know, look out, go, go the other way. Turn. So your sins can be wiped out. And times of refreshing, he says, can come. Refreshing. Come from the Lord, and he quotes Moses, the passage that we read today. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Peter and everyone there knew this scripture from childhood. They all knew the, these words of Moses. They were all waiting for this. The one that you must listen to. And then they all witnessed it at least twice with Jesus and his baptism. And later on, a voice saying, this is my beloved, whom I love. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. This is the one we've all been waiting for. And, and Peter reminds them, you are heirs of that same covenant we've all known for generations, hundreds of years. The, the covenant with Abraham. Abraham was blessed for a reason, in order to be a blessing to all peoples, all different groups. And that blessing is, is a, it's not just a, a nice little extra, it's utter fulfillment. It's metaphysical satisfaction. It's not, and it's not what you think you want. It's what you want. You're loved, and even if you don't know it, your deepest longing is to know and be known 
by the one who made you. And when you see the grace in Jesus' unjust suffering for your undeserved blessing, then you can see your own blindness. You can summon the strength to face your own weakness. And you can let go, stop straining to see in the dark and allow God's word to take you by your open hand and call you into the life he has for you, which is a life of serving others. Yeah, that's the covenant. Blessed in order to bless others. That's why we can experience God's grace and blessing. When the Bible says you, it means y'all. Did you know that? We... Uh, have an idol of individualism uh, in our culture. And when you see you in the Bible, it means y'all, almost always. Y'all, as a group, are blessed together and sent together. The church of Jesus doesn't choose to do outreach. Did you know that? Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, you know, get together and go serve others uh, and bring God's blessing that we have now to other people to share it with them. You know why the church can't do that? Because if they're the church, they're already sent. You can't send something that's already sent. To be the church means the sent ones. We are together and we are sent. It's a blessing and a privilege and an adventure to be sent with y'all and I look forward to walking together as sent ones and it's happening uh, in all kinds of ways I look I look so much forward to the next chapters Let's pray. God, thank you for the wake up. Thank you for stepping into our blindness and brokenness with your light and the strength that comes through your sacrifice. 
we're humbled. We ask that you continue to bring us together in ways that are a sign to the rest of the world of the work that you are doing to bring all things into right relationship back back into your perfect plan of renewed kingdom life. In the name of Jesus, amen.